Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. It's part three of our Kevin Smith extravaganza. Uh, if you are just joining us now, then the last two weeks we've been looking at Kevin Smith's career. So this week we're dealing with the, the tail end of what is his current career. We're going to be starting with... What is it? Oh, we're going to be starting with Red State, then Tusk, and finally Yoga Hosers. If you want to listen to the rest of our Kevin Smith uh, opinions then you know go back two weeks but here is where we are with me alan turing as always is sol harris uh michael michael Mike, what's he called michael parks. parks what's he say something about jesus jesus okay it's not amused so, <laughs> son so that's sol and joining <laughs> us today a special guest <laughs> scott chambers excellent swing <laughs> the wrong <laughs> That's uh, that's that's um, Bill and Ted's uh, world, isn't it? That's what he's directed. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> we're not even at that portion of Kevin Smith's. Career I know there's no the there's... silly comedy. <laughs> we've uh, we've less the is it ask ask view universe? I can't even fucking pronounce it. Ask view. That was it, wasn't it? The universe. View and now he's created the Smodcast universe. The, yes, what a shit cast. Yes. The True North trilogy is the one he's doing. Basically, after the colossal failure of Cop Out and Kevin Smith's terrible personal experience making it, he really kind of deserted the idea of making films with this big studios and stars. And he just wanted to make films by himself, a very kind of linear process, which, um, you know, in, in a way I really respect. Uh, he has enough backing and enough clout that he could get away with it at the time. So that led him to making Red State. Uh, Red State it, it didn't just come out of nowhere. He'd been planning it for a while as a way of doing something a little bit different. But before we get onto Red State, Scott, don't you have a vaguely amusing anecdote about interacting with Kevin Smith on Twitter over Cop Out? Oh. Yeah, th- yeah, this this is when I was uh I was new to Twitter and I just thought it was a place just to harass celebrities. And um... <laughs> Is that is that not what it is? Kevin Smith did something not even related to Cop Out. About, I think he was saying about how he was, making, he was writing his new movie. So I, I snarkily said, oh, as long as it's not Cop Out 2, then everyone will be happy. And then, like... Oh, um... genius comedy. <laughs> no one ever thought of making that joke. I know. And he actually replied, and he put, um, oh, I'd do Cop Out 2 in a heartbeat if the studios were inclined. And then I just felt really awful, because it was like, he could use that as a platform with all his followers to just sort of rip me a new one and be like... Who the fuck are you? Like, what have you ever done? Um, and then I, was, and then I just felt bad. Then, and I just got. Then I did get a lot, load of his fans just attacking me. They just sort of spent like four hours just arguing with this guy from Iowa or something like that. Just sort of. Uh... Surely, no one was trying to defend Cop Out. I don't get the impression Kevin Smith would do Cop Out too if people no, wanted him to. Now, I, I think he was probably putting on a brave face back then. That was he probably. He's going to get do it with Bruce Willis. I was going to say that's yeah. get Bruce Willis back on board first. If he could do it, but like replace, if he could replace Bruce Willis with the guy from Mallrats, the dad, <laughs> Michael Rooker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that could work. Now, you, if you were going to do He's Cop bald. Out too, it would be Tracy Morgan and Sean William Scott. After, after, after he did Cop Out, and then just one negative tweet too many pushed him over the edge. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, when making Red State, he kind of went a little bit off piste. Found more like private private funding for it, very low budget. Didn't really go through the big studios or anything like that. I think he tried to get the Weinstein's to do it, and they they passed. Yeah, so 
let's get into the film itself because it's a it's a departure for Smith in terms of his previous work. Um, Sol, do you want to give us a quick rundown of the film? Yeah, it's uh, it's Kevin Smith not making a comedy for I think the first time in his career, mm-hmm. um, making a, a well an attempt at a horror thriller. It is basically Westboro Baptist Church, but with all the names changed for legal reasons. Um, yeah, what is it? Some some kids do a kind of... They go on a weird op- online website to to meet loose women. Not like we all t- do. Like the TV show. <laughs> they, meet, they meet that woman out of Birds of a Feather and yeah. <laughs> that one who used to do the news. They they go online. They find a woman who's up for sleeping with all three of them. They're they're sort of late teenagers who are like, "Yeah, dude, let's lose our virginity together, dude." And uh, <laughs> so they drive off to go and sleep with this woman, and she drugs them, and they get abducted. And it turns out that this Westboro Baptist Church analogy are just sort of systematically trying to cleanse the world of of people like them who are. Uh, gay, I guess, except they're not gay. We we hear about things that have been going on, as in these gay men have been uh, killed, and uh, the Westboro analogy of really kind of anti-gay. And, yeah. and when they get there, there's a gay person who's... These teens, these teen boys who we're following, they, there's no gayness there. So that so it's more about moral... Uh, loose morals and but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, they're, they're, what are they like? Seventeen-year-old boys who are trying to get laid. Like, what is it? Just Kevin Smith uh, just trying to ask whether or not it's gay if he has a, a, a like a foursome. <laughs> is that what he's asking? It does. It does feel a bit messy from a plot point of view. As if like, why not just make it about a gay thing or make it about a moral thing or or sex? Uh, thing, I, I know, think I it know. works. Just... Yeah. It, it. You know, she she says, "Do you want to dance with the devil and all that it, in the pale it's... moonlight?" I was generally shocked, like the bit where Kevin Pollock shows up and he's quite a, you know, uh, noble face and he's quite charismatic. And I thought, oh, he's obviously going to be uh, like, you know, the sort of sort of funny sort of comic relief. And then when he gets taken out, I was generally shocked. I was like, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, jolted, it jolted me. And I was like, is this film better than I remembered? And I was just a bit harsh the <laughs> first time. But then, no, it becomes apparent that he doesn't really know what to do with that situation. The action scenes are very, clima- you know, uh, suspenseful. Mm. It just feels yeah. like... I tell you what, it was better than I remembered. In case anyone is listening to this who um, hasn't seen it, uh, basically, after a while, it descends into a sort of hostage situation with, essentially, Westboro Baptist Church versus the... Um, the authorities who ATF, are going yeah, into yeah are. yeah now you guys have both used the word horror to describe this film which i find interesting because not only not only was it not horrifying anyway i'm not sure it was meant to be was it it's it it was meant to be it was i, I remember as a horror yeah I, I remember kevin smith saying he was going to try and make a horror film and mm. he, he wanted to make something legitimately scary and blah 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 i i think ultimately it's more of a thriller but yeah i'm not a big fan of thriller as a genre to be honest i find it a very confusing label <laughs> I, I, I mean perhaps I mean, we if... should leave that conversation until we deal with tusk because i have a similar problem there if the film is about these teenagers being locked in that church and it was like a real tense cat and mouse film all the way through. The f- the first act feels like it's supposed to be a horror. Yeah. I think I do think the strength one of the strengths of this film is John Goodman's character. I think 
Absolutely. That's the one that works yeah. all the way through. There's a consistency through it. And I really do like, um, we'll be talking about this quite soon, but I watched Vice yesterday. And what I do like is this kind of banality of evil where people do terrible mm. things, but they're not terrible people necessarily. They're just right. doing things and there's a disconnect somehow. And I think John Goodman really represents that very nicely because he's obviously a good person. He's questioning these things, but then he is going to follow orders. And ultimately yeah. when he doesn't, it's because it's in a very extreme situation. And what happens? Nothing. He just he just gets promoted. And I, I like that kind of journey of this, yeah, the kind of government side of just evil things. <laughs> You could make a great film about like that John Goodman central character. You open with him getting that phone call in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then you kind of follow his story all the way through. You have the Michael Parks preacher bit, but that could be a much better film, I think. I don't think the boys need to be in there at all. It's a weirdly structured film, isn't it? It's weird that he attempt uh, approached the structure in the way that he did, Kevin Smith. Because it, I think it is just meant to be twists and turns, but it just feels like a very, quite I don't know, disjointed I if, film. If it's, these it's, three films that, uh, that we're going to look at today are going to tell us anything, it's that Kevin Smith knows nothing about film structure and doesn't understand how a script yeah, is supposed to work. I think that's it. He doesn't want to do the second <laughs> draft or even the third draft by the looks of it. I think the thing is, the first act's got great flow to it. it it's... It's momentum to it. Another another thing I had is just a kind of loose ends because we see that one of the team boys and he goes to his parents and he's like, oh, can I borrow the car? And they're like, oh, well, don't do anything. Right. None of that is relevant. It's completely irrelevant. Cut that out of the, cut that out of the film and it, and it wouldn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah, but there's but there's that like then you do another draft and you take it out or maybe it doesn't. But then what about when you film it? What about when you edit it? You that's another process of yeah. Of well, drafting. can What's... can we mention the editing? Um, I know Kevin Smith at this point is doing all the editing himself. He's been doing it for a while. It's been working fine. Uh, I think the editing in this film is really bad. I think it's really choppy and uneven. Yeah. And I, I think it's. It, it, it's a detriment to the film. It's not just that he was editing himself. He presented a, a, a cut, a first cut of the film at the rap party. He was edit- He was filming by day, editing in the evenings. And as he, every day's footage, he was just editing it right there and then. So, you know, maybe it's a rush job. <laughs> but also, he's never edited anything like this before. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, this film, I don't think it's put together that well technically i think the editing is bad i think the cinematography is bad it falls prey to that really frustrating thing of just shaky camera where you can barely tell what's going on as if that's uh awful digital blood as well that i hate yeah that's just lazy <laughs> and it's a shame because i mean I, I absolute respect for kevin smith for stepping outside of his comfort zone and trying yeah. to grow as a filmmaker but he hasn't managed it yet there is evidence of uh, direction here like the visual style yeah. if you even if you think that it's not done very well there is an attempt to do something different yeah um, absolutely uh, you know when the action is more intense the, it's more frenetic as yeah there's camera movement it's definitely yeah. not just to point this at the person and, and shoot yeah i mean um that's why i don't want to shit on it too hard because i thought at least he's trying to at least he's got some themes and he's trying to do something different i mean he's very fortunate to get some decent actors in this as well oh like it's a great cast Leo, uh michael parks john Goodman, michael parks uh, is phenomenal in this he he like really really quite negative i'm i didn't dislike this film and and michael parks is definitely a big part of that john Goodman absolutely being another but michael parks's character yeah he he does it perfectly i think it's written well as well though like i've got to give kevin smith some credit mm. um 
but you know brevity is not Kevin Smith's strong point and there's, there's that preaching scene yeah. where we're introduced to him could have been half the length quite easily and that would have been fine or at least have some kind of role in it that like measure it so that we got a journey there rather than just yeah mm. we're just watching this guy because he comes across as a, a religious nutbag really well but it's just like well I don't want to just sit here listening to a religious nutbag this is very accurate but yeah. now I move on with the plot I was not impressed with this film when I first watched it. I didn't like it. It just felt... I think I didn't know what to expect, perhaps, going in. Um, on the rewatch, I I was actually really quite enjoying it. It just sort of ran out of steam towards the end. It just started to drag and feel like, all right, going on a bit now. Uh, and and my, my last complaint is that um, when Badger, the deputy, hears shots fired inside the, the house he, like, immediately knows what that means and runs to get, you know, his gun and everything and get shot. And that just felt very unrealistic, as well as a missed opportunity. That that seems like... That's when you want to add some Hitchcockian stuff into your film. He He's heard gunshots. He's, yeah. he, he sort of goes, Oh, what was that? I can't know his voice. <laughs> it's kind of like, Hey, guys! Um, hey, what's... what's uh, Gunshots! What's Scoop! Hey, Scoop! I heard gunshots on your <laughs> Waco cabin, man. And then they're like, "Oh no, that that wasn't gunshots. That was uh, that was steam from the steamed clams or whatever." And then you go, you know, you have this scene where he sort of has to come and investigate, and you know that he sort of knows something's amiss, but he can't do anything. And call it that could have been a great scene leading up to him getting yeah. shot in the exact same way. And it's just yeah. this really unrealistic moment where... Mike, Michael Parks could have said that he was watching a John Woo film or something. Yeah. <laughs> or even, you know, oh, oh we're just okay. doing some target practice with the, the kids <laughs> yeah. or anything. There, there's so many ways he could have tried to explain it. And it, it just really annoyed me that... Anyway, uh, so... The ending for this film, as written, had to be changed due to budgetary reasons. I think it's a big detriment to the film. I, I think the original ending sounds like it would have been fantastic. All things considered, I think the ending we get works and is like a pretty decent job of... The original ending, was it supposed to like the rapture was supposed to come down? Yeah, the, the horn sounds as it does in the film, but then it just turns out that that is actually the rapture and the four horsemen of the apocalypse come riding down and then this huge horseman like stabs uh michael parks with a big sword and looks at john goodman and holds his finger up to his mouth as if to like say shh and don't say that we told you this yeah and uh it would have been a really i'm not entirely sure what it meant <laughs> but <Completely> bizarre. <laughs> it would have been a really cool ending and it, it certainly would have meant if nothing else fuck these guys they don't speak for god See, I would have hated it. It would have just been the most ridiculous, silly ending. See, I, I, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, so do I. Like, it would. Have... But I like the ending. I like the ending as we get it as well. To be honest, I think it works as a, a cap off to the quagmire of the film. It's overdone, though. Yeah, it is overdone. Standard it's with, like that needs to be like a quick like. Because the John Goodman character, like, it needs to go. Oh, where was the trumpet noise coming from? Like, oh, is these kids messing about? But no, it's like a seven-minute long story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. kids came from and what they were doing. Down, and like, definitely. Like, Kevin Smith just fucking never shuts up, does he? <laughs> it's how it feels like the whole thing was written and working towards, so it, it just feels like a bit of an anti-climax when we get the ending that we do. I like that, though. That's what I like about it. No, but it, it, it feels like 
it doesn't feel like an intentional anticlimax. It feels like it's written to work around a budgetary issue, and that's sort of mm. why it doesn't okay, quite be... work for me. I give Red State a six. Uh, I think it's an admirable attempt at making something, and it doesn't all quite work. But to be honest, I, I, I feel more positively about it than many of Kevin Smith's films that I've rated higher than that. Um, just, you know, I'd rather he made this sort of stuff and, and expressed himself. Just another 90-minute collection of dick jokes. I, I agree with that, to a large extent. I think Michael Parks and John Goodman are the ones that really make this thing happen, though. I give it yeah. a 7. I'd probably go with Sol, uh, same score as you with Sol, 6 out of 10. And I really don't like shitting on Kevin Smith, because I do actually like him. <laughs> I like him as a personality. I like, he represents something that I'm quite fond of a lot of like a lot of filmmakers like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez where he was like uh I know you, you, you talked about on the past podcast but just that no fuck it just get up and do it attitude which yeah. I admire about him <laughs> I think you you've raised something there actually which I wanted to talk about because listening back to our last two episodes looking at Kevin Smith we've made a lot of real like big statements and a lot of assumptions about his personality and character <laughs> and, uh, and I just feel like we should justify that a little bit because I'm about to I, don't think we would, I think we, normally it would be supposition on our parts but Kevin Smith is so out there and public about who he is and what he does that like I've and I've been following for years that I feel like I do really know who he is quite well like I've got a good insight into what he's doing and why he's doing it and so I think that I just want to justify why we we kind of make quite some very personal cutting statements yeah. about him yeah. <laughs> and his wife <laughs> so Red State um, I think Kevin Smith struggled to get a decent distribution deal on it and he did the quite revolutionary thing of deciding I'm going to self-distribute I'm just going to take it on a tour around the US uh, I'll do like a little Q and A before each showing. We'll we'll charge you know obscene amounts of money for people to go and see it on the grounds and, that I'll and be Kevin there. And Kevin Smith goes round and does Q and As and sells out massive yeah. audiences anyway. So it's not. So like it was just it like... was a continuation of that, and so that's a business model he's really developed that he's been working with. And his next film using that model was the animated Jane Silent Bob super groovy cartoon movie, which he wrote but didn't direct. And it might just be the most offensively lazy bit of hack shit he's ever produced. Uh, have you guys seen it? Uh, yes. I didn't watch it, I'm afraid I didn't get around to it. I, I get the idea, it's a nice little idea, make an animated film about Jane Silent Bob, do the whole superhero thing, do the Blunt Man and Chronic comic adaptation, I suppose. It's it's just it's just shit. It's just <laughs> unforgivable. It's so bad. I I I struggle to believe Kevin Smith wrote it. It's hard to imagine it's the same guy who wrote the other films that he's made that wrote this. It is it feels like a like it really feels like a first draft. It feels like a first draft bashed out whilst high over about two hours. It's one of his mates animated the whole thing, so it was one person doing all the animation, and the film suffers for it because it is hideous. 
is fucking <laughs> horrible to look at. It is. It's. It's the level of. It's the sort of level. I've produced you, you would, better you would, animation than this. <laughs> but it's. It's the sort of level like you would send me a YouTube video and like, oh look at this funny thing, and someone's done a little animation like in their spare time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a nice little funny thing. The animation's not good, but I'm. I'm, I'm forgiving of that because it's just a little. Yeah. Thing. Whereas this, if you're gonna try and put it together as a film and it's got these characters that have a long lineage that you know you can sell it as well you know you know you know you can yeah find this a is market it. this it. a friend of mine went to see this when he toured it through the uk and i think he i think it was about 45 quids uh 45 quid for a ticket and yeah kevin smith did his wow. little q a session <laughs> but i mean imagine spending 45 pounds to watch this shit i would be incensed i would be so angry i i don't know what i'd do i ah oh, it it is just it's awful how much does flash animation cost to download on your pc these days let's see you've got um the sound mix is awful that like it's this it's this horrible stock sound effects that are used at one point there's like they're looking through binoculars. This should give you a good sense of what the film's like. At one point, they're looking through binoculars and they see um, across the road and there's just some lesbians having sex. And it's the, <laughs> st- the same stock noise of a woman going, ah, used three times in a row. <laughs> like, not even a different one. It's just fucking hack comedy with weird anti-feminist leanings, I should add. There's some really odd... <laughs> stuff in there but i i think i mean if I, am i correct that this was basically a fan who did some animated bits of like things they were talking about on the on the podcast i think and so, so they would animate it and go oh yeah this is like a little sketch of it which is perfect you do a little three minute yeah. sketch of one of their conversations everyone likes it it's funny and it's the animation's a bit shit but it's just some like, yeah 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 19 That's... year old graphic student doing it but then they gave him money to do his feature film, and it's just like, okay, the, the material wasn't there, the the animation skill wasn't there, <laughs> the professional level. Even wasn't there. like, even if it looked like shit, I could forgive it if the writing was vaguely interesting or amusing. But it's yeah. it's it, it it's it's barely over an hour long. It's sixty four minutes long. This film. It is a fucking slog to get through. It feels <laughs> so long. It's a chore. It the plot is basically. There's a whole load of stuff to begin with where Jay and Silent Bob, we know they're going to become superheroes, so they they kind of go past all these things that have set up other superheroes and classic comics. And uh, the joke is, you sort of think, oh, they're going to, you know, they're going to, there's the Green Lantern, they're going to be given this ring. And then Jay's like, hey, dude, you're a fag, and like walks off, and that's the joke, (laughs) and they don't become the Green Lanterns. and. I think on paper that works, that these things that could, that's, oh, look, they're going to become superheroes. Oh, no, it's not that. And then when we see the supervillains, how they're created, and it's like they always end up in the same, oh, they drop into a vat of acid kind of thing. I think these things on paper work. It's just they're not well put together in this film. It's not directed well. Maybe. The pacing is completely off. Oh, the pacing is horrendous, yeah. I think you could really tighten this up and, and have a nice little skit. The writing would have to be a bit better, but I think the concepts are there. The the voice acting as well. I mean, oh god, it's just. Sorry, is this related to the Clerks animated spin-off or is the animation? No, it's no, diff- no, completely different. different. Clerks was 
Clerks didn't have the best animation, but it's much nicer than this. Yeah, Clerks look like professionally animated stuff, you know? <laughs> and and just stupid shit. Jay and Silent Bob ultimately become superheroes because they win $10 million on a scratch card and decide to become basically Batman. I don't think $10 million is enough money to build a Batcave and have all those gadgets and <laughs> buy a mansion yeah. and everything else they do. I just it's stuff like that. You just think Kevin Smith, you're not you're not that smart, are you? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> but you know this 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 was like literally a bloke in his basement like, animating it himself. You know, it wasn't a professional production really. It's the fact that it's being sold as one that's. <laughs> I'm more forgiving of of the shit animation because of it. I I think it's just really badly written. Uh, I, I know some of it probably would be tightened up, but it would still be... I, I kind of expect something as good as Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in the writing, you know? As good as that. And it's... <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, maybe Jay and Silent Bob was largely funny because you had people like Will Ferrell who were just allowed to kind of improv and make it better on, on set. But I, I don't know, I... Ah, it, it's, it's just shit, isn't it? Do you have anything else to add to that? or I gave it a four. So I must have had a couple of laughs out of it. I gave it a two. It sounds like I dodged a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it a two, and I think it... If it weren't for Cop Out, I think this would be Kevin Smith's worst film, but I'd probably rather sit through this again. (laughs) It's not as long. All right. Well, okay. What's next? Hello, listener. I do hope you are enjoying the finale of our Kevin Smith series of episodes, our little season here. As you may or may not have heard, we've launched a Patreon account, mainly just to try and cover the cost of running the show. Uh, So we're not looking for a massive amount of money. We're not being greedy or anything. You only have to chuck us a dollar a month. Although if you want to to donate more, that's, that, you know, that'd be lovely. But for as little as one dollar a month, uh, you'll get access to a whole load of stuff, most notably are the minisodes. We're, we're pumping out the minisodes, mini-episodes of the show, whenever possible. So far, there are three up, covering films that we've been tying episodes into. So we've got one for Mary Poppins Returns, we've got one looking at Stan and Ollie, and we've done one looking at Glass. So head over to patreon.com forward slash dimreturns and uh, check it out. Anyway, back to the show. He, he then went on to make his next proper film, Tusk, which mm-hmm. is, uh, he made, he, he seemed to think it was brilliant that he uh, made the first ever film based on a podcast, because he and Scott Mosier, I'm, I'm assuming, were on mm-hmm. Smodcast and started joking about this, uh, well it was based on a real life incident, wasn't it? There, there was an advert posted in some sort of Craigslist type thing where a guy was looking for an, uh, a roommate, and it was free rent, but you had to be willing to dress up as a walrus um, and live as a walrus. And it yeah. wasn't real. The guy just posted it as a joke. But Obviously. it went it's, viral it's regardless. It's not real. <laughs> Kevin Smith riffed a film on an episode of Smodcast based on it, and they thought it was really funny. We've talked about this before, where we've occasionally will we'll decry a film because it's like, this is something we would come up with on this podcast. 
But this is literally the sort of thing that <laughs> some people just pissing about come up with on a podcast. Yeah. It's um, like, oh, look at this silly idea we're throwing out. Look at this silly idea. I, I, I like the concept for this film. I like films that are weird and stupid and, like, imagine if they made a film like that. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? And then they actually make mm-hmm. it. That's my kind of film. So I'm... The fact that this is a film about a man who wants to abduct some more people and turn them into walrus monstrosities because he's got some weird link to walruses in his past. Um, yeah. I like that. I think that's a good idea for a film. Is it? Is it well carried out, though? Well, such a great idea. This is gonna be. This is gonna be hilarious. And then, you know, when it's actually executed, you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I, my main issue with this film is that the main character is a podcaster, and he does a podcast called the Nazi Party, and it seems to be a weird <laughs> analogy for Smodcast or something. But I can never <laughs> buy that it's a successful show because it seems like the sh- the shittiest, worst podcast I could have... Like, it's a shit concept. The hosts are unbearable. It, it isn't funny. It, it, they seem really self-indulgent and they laugh at themselves too much. Basically, it does seem just like Smodcast. <laughs> um, but... Well, isn't that him being uh, self-deprecating, though? Isn't he sort of acknowledging the fact that he's... Maybe, sort of a but it's just... Is that why he gets his just desserts? Like, is he sort of acknowledging that, well, this guy's a fucking douchebag and, like... Well, off the bat, can I can I say, I, I think this is the first Kevin Smith film out of his whole filmography that is well-directed. I think he's got to the point where he can sort of direct something now. There are a few points where he gives in to like self-indulgence completely, but I think for the most part, the the way this is put together is well directed. I I agree with that, and the production design, the cinematography is pretty on point. And that, like, this is what I was saying earlier about like the theme of the last two films. Well, the Red State and Tusk is that the openings like I'm like it's got momentum. I'm I'm like I'm hooked. And it's just, he loses his way when the plot actually has to kick in in the second act. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like Michael Parks in it as well. I like, uh, you know, he's, he's weird and creepy. It's just, oh, it, was, it just yeah. gets boring. Uh, I just get, I'm going to have to disagree it. with you a little bit. I don't know if this is evidence that he can direct Hello? particularly. Yeah, some nice production design and a cinematographer who, who can shoot something. I'm still not convinced that Kevin Smith is that involved with the cinematography, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I think, in, I think in terms of character progression and the script and the choices that are made, I don't think this is well directed because I don't know what tone it is. I don't even know what this film is. I, don't I think know. the performances are <laughs> on point. I think the dynamics between the actors are directed very I think well. The, the performances are fine. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I mean in terms of. What the fuck is this film? What it's not a horror. It's not really a comedy. Mm. Is is it trying to be both or either? I don't know. And I think it is a bit of both. I think it's. I think it is legitimately a horror film. A horror comedy, but it's not. It's not scary, and it's certainly not fucking funny. Not well. Not not. Mm. I think it's quite horrific in places. Conceptually, it, I, it's definitely deliberately comedic. It's yeah. definitely deliberately comedic. There's lots of comedy in there. But it's not shot as a comedy. It's there's definitely a lot of horror genre elements, but it's certainly not shot as a horror. So what is it? Well, why do you want to put everything in a box, Alan? 
I wouldn't just dis- I wouldn't disagree with it not looking like a horror. I, when he's in the house yeah. and he's like obviously I think that is that is pure sort of he's going for that Eli Roth yeah. you know human centipede type horror. I think he is trying to do it. It's just it's just that he hasn't. But it's not any- there. It's not consistent. It's just something it's missing. Maybe it's the score. No, but- maybe the maybe it's the the cinematography is doing it. The production design is doing it, but then the script isn't there with it. It's there's something that's not balancing here. Because there could have been some shocking reveals which don't pull off. Like when you when his leg is being chopped off, that could have been really creepy. Like if you ever watched Requiem for a Dream and he hasn't <sighs> he finds out he hasn't got an arm at the end. I think it's so quite- he could have had that moment there with the. With a leg being chopped off, it just that that could have been a shocking moment, but it was just felt inevitable. It was I think it's like, quite oh, unpleasant dude. though. I think it works as horror. I I think that whole scene when Michael Parks won't like let him go. I I think a lot of this film is very unpleasant. I think it does body horror quite well in that sort of. But that, but that that your reveal point where he's in the walrus suit looks shit and it looks comedy <laughs> and it does not look horror I, I but it's got a sense of humor about what it's doing that doesn't stop both either from working i the bit when he's being forced to swim and then he goes underwater and he sees the the skeleton of like previous victims i think that is legitimate horror i'll tell but you why you i'll tell watch... you why that doesn't work for me as well this is a big point and it's he gets turned into a walrus like what halfway through the film and it's too early because at that point it switches going. It's not about him anymore. It's about the guys trying to chase him yeah. and Johnny Depp and all that. Yeah. But also, like once he's that far down that road, even if they go in and rescue him and they kill Michael Parks and they come and dramatically rescue him, he's completely fucked. He's never going to be. Yeah, he's never revealed. just going to walk away from this and be okay. Yeah. And so I it's agree. kind of we've we've got no stakes anymore because this exactly. all, all we're doing is rev, like reveling in this bizarre thing. Yeah, that's that's that, that's where it's sort of like he could have just had it more and more. Like he should have watched, he should have took a leaf out of watching Misery or something, and had more scenes with Justin Long trying to escape mm. or some sort of real tension and conflict. But no, it it does go from him trying to escape by calling up his uh, his girlfriend and his mate, and then that's it. Then he just gets turned into a wolf. You don't even see a gradual transformation like something yeah. from the fly yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like where you could have seen it bit by bit. You still want them to stop Michael Parks because he's just going to keep doing it again and again. But well, no, yeah, I know what you mean. Really... I I think on the plus side, it gives the film really good pacing in the first uh, half. Uh, there are some serious pacing issues once Johnny Depp shows up. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. The second half of the film kicks in. Was that in. Johnny Depp? <laughs> I thought that was Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. The, the second half of the film kicks in, and it's like, oh, it's Peter Sellers' film now. What's what's going on? This is a completely different film. Dreadful. Yeah, it does come out of nowhere, doesn't it? I don't know what that was all about. Yeah, so there's this direct down-the-lens down, down the lens shot of Genesis Rodriguez, who's... Is that her name? The woman in the film. Yeah, it? yeah. And she... She's doing this like little emotional monologue, it's like a showreel scene, and then there's this whole subplot where she's sleeping with the mate, which is not relevant to anything at oh, all, yeah, not yeah. important. Yeah. But just that shot in itself, that direction, suddenly it's like a totally different film. This, why is this? Why are we having this really intense moment? What? what Kevin Smith just seems to pick a scene and then pick a, a directorial style and then shove that on it. And there's no there's no tone, there's no consistency. Yeah. I, I really like that whole subplot. and the, I, I really like the dynamic between the characters in this film. I, I think it's quite interesting. There's more going on than you typically get in one of Kevin Smith's films. The fact that there's this weird love triangle thing going on and 
it's not a weird love triangle. These two are going out. She's having an affair with his best mate, and a non he doesn't even know it, so it's not relevant to his character. It doesn't affect what he does or how he does things. It doesn't even affect what they do or how they approach it because they're still completely trying to save him and they love him. It's not like they're going, ah, fuck him, we can be together now. I like I like the subplot between uh, him and her where she's talking about how he's changed, yeah. like his personality's changed since he's got fame. Mm-hmm. That felt yeah, real. Yeah, that that felt like that might be coming from a real yeah. place. I think I think that's them scenes like oh this he's making Justin Long actually feel more human and then you 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 know if you would have had more scenes of feeling sort of having him being tortured and stuff or going through psychological torture and had mm. that scene it sort of more early on you feel like you know where he's sort of coming from but then he just flashes back with him just being um being a dick and he's yeah. like oh I'm gonna get roadhead when I'm out and we, there and we do get that moment when he rings up and he's like oh god like he's he's in a terrible situation he's like oh I just miss you I want I want you like your help and all this that's the only little moment we get of him going like this experience has made me realize what's important in my life or whatever right and obviously we never get that because the ending is such that we don't get enough of a, a sense of what's going on with him the other thing is that you know the way that Justin Long plays this character although done very well and is very funny mm. it, the, the character's an asshole yeah um and even when he's dealing with like the two the two store clerks who are being dicks he still comes off worse than them, you know? It's oh, completely, like yeah. So, But that's obviously deliberate. Justin Long's improving a lot. It's very funny. I think Justin Long's great in this, but I, I'm a big fan of Justin Long. It's nice to see him again. It felt like he kind of fell off the radar around this point. So, But let's address the, the, the walrus in the room here. Michael Parks, once again, <laughs> yeah. steps up and just delivers the one of the finest performances uh, that a film doesn't deserve. It, it's completely and utterly, oh, I found my, you know, Johnny Depp to my Tim Burton, my, my De Niro to my <laughs> Scorsese. It's He's definitely having one of those moments off the back of Red State. Um, yeah. And I think this film might have killed that dead in its tracks. But it, it certainly <laughs> seems like, oh, this worked really well last time. Let's do it again. And it, yeah, it did work really well. Let's do it again. And it, I think it works well here. Yeah, and it's a completely different character. You know, there's, we've seen Michael Parks before. He, this is, he embodies a character. He can mm. change himself totally. Um, and again, brevity is not Kevin Smith's thing. And so this well, scene where they finally meet goes on for yeah, about 20 minutes of so them just talking that. at each other. Oh, I, I like all that. The, the one but, scene but in I like, film. I like the scene. I like the scene because they're both playing off each other really nicely. It's just too long for the pacing of the film. The one scene I cannot stand in this film, the one thing I I agree with that is shite and is just unforgivable that it's in this film, is when there's like a... It feels like a 20-minute flashback to Johnny Depp meeting Michael Parks and him doing (laughs) a kind of simpleton act. And it's just unbearable. It should have been about <laughs> a minute is. long. It goes on and on and on, and I just don't know what they were thinking. It's. <laughs> but did you did you like the performance? No. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatching this film because I think the first time round I was just not a fan of Johnny Depp being in it. It just felt like this bizarre tangent that sort of killed the film dead in its tracks. Watching it again, I was a lot more on board with all right. This weird Inspector Clouseau figure. I think um, the it's it's a, just a very over the top, yeah, like Inspector Clouseau style big comedy character. And I'm not sure that's what this film is. Yeah, but then it, I'm not sure what this film is. 
Because I think the walrus falls into the same category as that, but then the rest of the film doesn't. I think the walrus falls into a different kind of over the top and extreme, though. It's not cartoonish. It's it's there's a there's a bizarre. moment there's a moment where that reveal moment where we kind of go from a close up and it's like a sudden pullback and we see him as the walrus in the big thing. You know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That felt like the the money shot on one of those fake trailers in the middle of a Quentin Tarantino double bill. Yeah, but I, I want to see all those fake trailers adapted to feature length. Well, see, I don't, because I think they won't work at all. I thought Machete was brilliant. <laughs> see, I don't want to see any of them, because it'll just be a silly joke dragged out to a film. No, that's what I like in a film. That's That's what I'm into. I don't know. I think concept, high spec concepts are fine as long as they're executed with actual, with a decent narrative. Whereas this, I think it's too early on. It's revealed that he's a walrus, and mm-hmm. at that point, you're like, "Oh, it's a man in a walrus co- costume." How does he make this more interesting? Well, we'll show Michael Parks uh, having to train it, but none of them scenes are funny or scary. So it just feels. <laughs> It feels like you're watching an aftermath of when something terrible happens in a horror I'm film. I'm alright with that. I don't mind that. I've seen enough films building up to the horrible moment. I'm alright w- wallowing in You're such a Kevin there. Smith apologist. You're such a late uh, third-term third Kevin Smith apologist. That's what you are. Yeah? Well, what do you give it out of ten? Come on. <laughs> I gave it five. Ooh. I've got to probably give it a four, to be honest. Maybe lower three. <laughs> well, Ouch. you know what, guys? This is going to really upset you. This is my third favourite Kevin Smith film after Clerks After Jane and Clerks Silent Bob 2. Strikes Back. <laughs> so I give it a seven out of ten. And I think it's a better film than many of his others. I think it's better than Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, easily. I'd take this over Dogma, personally. I think Dogma's every bit as messy and full of flaws as this is, but ultimately it kind of works and comes out the right side of... I like it. I like Tusk. See, I was going to revisit some of his older films, but I I didn't want to, to be honest. I thought, let them just be the memory, you know, because I thought, has he always been this bad? And I've just not... I just don't want to acknowledge it. It is... It is very different to his early stuff. I don't think it is. I think it's always been this bad. <laughs> this is just him sort of pointing it in a different direction, and I, I'm more of a fan of where he goes with it here. Okay. Yeah, with that with that in mind, I was primed to be quite excited for Yoga Hoses. Right. Now, I, I've dropped off the Kevin Smith train a few years back. I don't listen to the podcast anymore. I don't really keep up with what he's doing. So when Yoga Hoses came out, it passed me by. I didn't really get a big release. Well, I was going to say, it's it's barely... Again, it was another one of these films that I think only got toured, you know, by Kevin Smith himself. It's very difficult to track down. I think you can get it on uh, on-demand platforms now. And because now, of that, but... because there was not a big to-do about it, I didn't even know if it had been a particular success or anything. I basically didn't know anything about this film. I had an idea that it was the two girls and his daughter and all that. Yeah, the two girls that we see in Tusk. Kevin Smith made a huge song and dance after Tusk about how it was the start of his True North trilogy. He was going to make two more films one called Yoga Hoses about the two uh, girls from the store who we should mention are played by Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter who you know who have been friends like since childhood they've been at school together and all that and i think there's a there's legitimate chemistry between them yeah. well that that's why uh, Johnny Depp's in Tusk yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's just like when one of your daughter's friends' dad is Johnny Depp, you just you can call him up and say, "Hey, do you want to be in a film?" <laughs> you can do whatever character you want, and I won't 
question it whatsoever. I just uh, I just pictured Johnny Depp and Kevin Smith at a family barbecue, like laughing and smiling at their daughters playing <clears throat> in the field or the grass, you know, the garden or whatever. Yeah. And be like, oh, we we should put them in a movie. Yeah, we've got the fucking movie to do that. <laughs> we should do that. That'll be great. Well, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't think that's much of a joke, is it? I think that's, that's probably... probably what happened. Yeah, and <laughs> and the third part of the. Th- of the trilogy um, that is supposedly still coming out, but I don't think it's ever going to get made, sadly, because it sounds like it'd be the best one for me, uh, was going to be Moose Jaws, which was going to be a remake of Jaws with a moose. <laughs> Do you know what? If, if he did it, if he did it plot, you know, uh, beat by yeah. beat plot, I actually, think that's, that's what um, it's going to be. Actually just crossed out the words like Quint and Shark with yeah. Moose <laughs> and just recreated that. It, it might still be a good film, but he wouldn't. He would go off on a fucking self-indulgent... The opening of the film, he said, is going to be, or was going to be... The opening of Jaws is that that person swimming and getting eaten, isn't it? And it was just going to be Jay and Silent Bob getting killed <laughs> in the same exact <laughs> fashion. Yeah, Yoga Hoses. This got awful reviews. And I think that kind of killed its... See, I, I didn't even know that because, like I say, I didn't really know much about what was going on. Mm. And so when I watched this film, which was just a couple of days ago, I, I decided not to read anything about it. I thought, I'll go in cold. Only with my own perceptions of Kevin Smith here. And, well, what did I get? Because I actually quite liked Tusk. I thought, that's all right. I'll probably quite enjoy this too. I like what he's doing now. I'm on board with it. And this looks, you know, madcap and silly enough. Nazi sausages, brilliant. <laughs> Ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Where to yeah, start. I, I, I mean, well, <laughs> so the two central performances, their daughters, not really actors. Uh, Johnny Depp's daughter is unsurprisingly better than Kevin Smith's. They're, you know, they. I'm, uh, I'm happy to. I'm right. happy to go on record here. I think they come across very well in this film. Yeah, I think they they look like perfectly good actors. If this if, if this film achieves anything, it helps them get another role, then that's fine. I think. Yeah. They certainly come out of this better than anyone else. Yeah, I'll give it that. Justin Long is in this film. I was surprised at how many people were in it, actually. But yeah, Justin Long comes back as um, a yoga teacher called... Is he called Yogi, Yoga Bear? Is that his name? I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah. One, right, of the yeah vaguely, one of the only vaguely amusing moments in the film is that Warner Brothers lawyers keep like harassing him on the phone because he's called Yoga Bear and... He doesn't understand why that's like copyright infringement or something. Yeah. Again, yeah, Justin Long doing a perfectly decent job, obviously improving a lot, and yeah, that's all right. You feel bad for all the cameos in this film, to be honest, because it's all <laughs> these people who, you know, it must be like how how people felt when they watched Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and it's like, oh, they've they've come <laughs> back to help their mate out, and this is this is what they're in now, and that's how I felt when you know, there's a lot of cool cast members in this film. Haley Joel Osment comes back, and it, I mean, that's just embarrassing for everyone, including him, but he's probably not above that, to be <laughs> honest. But Tony Hale, Natasha Leon, uh, you know, playing the uh, parents of um, one of them, Stanley, mm-hmm. Jason Mewes, all these people, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Conroy. You know, it's... Well, you know, with the Stanley cameo, do you think do you think Stanley just didn't remember if he'd ever written a book called. Uh, <laughs> 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 On paper, I should love this film. It's like stupid and nonsensical, but it's just done so badly. It's awful. And uh, basically, my my thesis is my 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 wrap up of this film is: imagine if Kevin Smith made Clerks, but instead of the conversations that are quite witty and interesting, 
they were all that scene from Tusk with Michael Parks doing a simpleton act with Johnny Depp that go on for 20 <laughs> minutes. It's that for the whole fucking film. And then at the end, for no reason, Kevin Smith plays a Nazi sausage <laughs> with the, some of the worst green screen special effects I've ever seen. I should add. <laughs> I would I would des- I would describe it as a cinematic exercise in Kevin Smith trying to understand his daughter's generation or just his daughter in oh, general. Oh man, so much of it comes across like an old man who doesn't know what Instagram is. It's oh. he's writing dialogue for a teenage girl and he's he's I don't know if he's trying to like like a mix between Gremlins and Juno or like Clueless <laughs> or something, but it's just like I, what was he thinking with the fucking yeah. Instacam thing where it was like it's supposed to be a reference to social media, but then he's using eight. Yeah, eight I was gonna say it looks like the internet from nineteen ninety two. Plus it, plus it doesn't add anything. Like it a, doesn't give us a bit of information that we wouldn't otherwise jarring. know. It doesn't. It's not consistent yeah. throughout the film. It's, Why would you introduce every single fucking character with that? It's like something. Look, look, guys, guys, I think you've I think you've missed the central conceit of this film. There's Canadians, right? When they say about, they pronounce it. <laughs> and that's that's hilarious, right? So, what more do you want? But this, 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 nothing makes sense about this film. There's the the plot comes out of nowhere and it, then disappears yeah, just as the quickly. Thing. There's, there's no, there's no setup. There's this whole. First, it it starts off about being these teenagers doing their normal shit, and you think, fair enough, this is quite boring. But I assume it's setting stuff up. It's getting it's somewhere. Clerks, isn't it, then it know? goes into clerks mode, and it's them in a shop, and you think, all right, he's kind of doing a clerks, soft clerks thing. I can get on board with that. The boys, the, the boys come over um, from the party. All right, this is cool. Then uh, suddenly they're Satanists who want to kill them. That comes out of nowhere. And all right, well if that's if that's what the film's about, fine. Oh, but no, then some Nazi fucking sausages show up. But you don't even know what they are. You just see, it's just yeah, Kevin Smith shows up. Explain what they are until it, much it's like later a, on. A, a one foot tall thing going. See Kyle, see Kyle, and you just think, what what the fuck was that? And then when they and when they stamp on the sausages. Like glow in the dark confetti comes out or something. <laughs> what the fuck? I thought that was it's supposed to be sauerkraut, but I thought it was like McDonald's <laughs> or something. I was like, what is that supposed to be? I, like if if he wanted to make a Gremlins type film and it was just about like and he had it set up pretty quickly that these were uh, genetically modified Nazi sausages and it's just them two stuck in a store trying to survive. It might have yeah. been it probably would have still been shite, but at least at least I, I would have known when the plot was going, and uh... that I agree. Yeah, it needed some setup, and I think there's there's a couple of attempts at setup earlier on where we see someone out in the woods attacked by one of them, but it's shot so badly you can't tell what the fuck's going on. You don't know what you're supposed to be looking at. It's just out of fucking nowhere. Genuinely, there was a point here so I was like, did I miss a scene? Did I, did I like, because I was yeah. illegally downloading this. I thought, did, have I got a dodgy copy or something? Because this is. Something's missing here, but no, it wasn't. It was just not explained where these sausages and came then, from or why they're dealing with them. Well, then there's all this bullshit backstory about Canadian Nazis that sort of tries to justify it, and ultimately they end up dealing with um, uh, is it Ralph Garman? Is that the guy? Yeah, who plays this yeah. Nazi villain? So I don't know who Ralph Garman is. I assume he's an impressionist. Is that right? <laughs> well, he he hosts yeah he co-hosts Hollywood Babylon yeah. with uh, with uh, Kevin Smith. So he's not. I don't think he's an actor per se, but he does act. And then he obviously they found out he could do a, a couple of impressions. <laughs> and thought right, that's a good enough. 
concept. I like that guy's Edwin impression. Is it Edwin, the guy who's yeah, that, that, I, I assumed it was him, and I thought that's a fucking obscure voice to be <laughs> busting out alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, uh, and and what like what was Kevin Smith thinking casting himself as a Nazi sausage when he can't? It was just he it was can't so cringy. do a and like it's just. I was watching it thinking well, were... <laughs> whoever's playing these is shit, and then oh it's Kevin Smith. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the worst, the worst bit for me was when it, they pull this sausage in half, and then he saw, see him on the floor, and he's over, he's there, and then he looks at his legs over on the other side, and he goes, "Mein Kampf." <laughs> and I was like, "What? Oh, what the? Fuck are you doing? The thing is, it just goes to show, like, um, that <laughs> it's like." Are you just saying the only German word? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't mind it if it really embraced that level of stupidity. That's the sort of thing. And and yeah. I assume with Tusk, they riffed the idea for a film that was, like, for a riff, quite a good, you know, coming up with a film on the spot. For Yoga Hosers, I don't think they riffed an idea for a film on the podcast. I think they just judging from the audio clip they drop in the end credits again, I think they just decided that the phrase yogurt hosers was really funny when it obviously isn't yeah. and were crying with laughter <laughs> saying well, I had to, it. I had, I, had to, I had to Google I had to Google what that meant. Like, it's Canadian slang, isn't it? it he's, he's the stoner Guillermo del Toro, by which I mean every few weeks he announces a new project <laughs> that he's making next and then it never happens and one out of ten films he announces actually seems to get made. And so I, I don't know if it's that surprising that he had these grand plans for Moose Jaws and a trilogy and blah 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 that never materialised and probably never will. Because he, he seems to just get very easily distracted. And Jay and Silent Bob reboot seems to be a response to his heart attack, um, if anything, kind of reinvigorating him and wanting him to kind of I don't know. I reckon when he was having that heart attack, I reckon he was he saw the fucking bright light and is it St. Peter was like, Did you meet Yoga <laughs> And he was like, Yeah. He was like, get back on fucking earth <laughs> and make something make if that's your last film, Kevin, that's not fair on you, is it? Get back on earth and start making it's just it's just it's just dreadful. It's just, and it was, it, it's, it was not only was it dreadful, it's just boring. Yeah. It was just sort of like, that's the I, worst I thing like, about it. it. It's, it's a film that constantly throws weird shit at the screen to the point that it should be impossible to make it as trying to watch. But this is such a fucking chore of a film. It's so boring. Uh, I, I give it three out of ten, which almost feels too generous, honestly. But yeah. I think I do prefer what he's doing here to Cop Out and super groovy cartoon <laughs> movies. So I've, I've got to reflect that in the no, score. I also gave it three out of ten. Definitely the worst thing he's made, my my estimation. I, I, can, am I allowed to give a zero? Or a 10? Because <laughs> give it a one. A one is that. I'll minimum, give it a yeah. one. Yeah. That's generous. That that that. That's that's just for showing up. That's for writing your name on the test paper, you know. Uh, just one, <laughs> dreadful. Where's where? So where's from I've seen in years. It really is. It's uh, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm. I think that's a justified one. Yeah. Uh. So so after yoga hoses, um, he did a little segment in a film called Holidays. Have you seen that? No. It it was a horror anthology. Uh, with each segment being inspired by, you know, Valentine's Day or um, oh, yeah. Christmas and that sort of thing. And uh, Kevin Smith did a segment. So I watched it thinking, 
well, you know, everything in it is probably going to be shit, but I bet Kevin Smith's segment will be fun and, and you know, worth watching it for, probably. Yeah. Like, So Kevin Smith did the segment on Halloween. He got given the big one, I guess. And it's shit. It's really shit. It's, a, it's, it's about a load of cam girls who are sort of being led by the digital equivalent of a pimp and then sort of turn on him. It's just really shit. I don't know what's happened to the guy. He just can't make <laughs> stuff anymore. It's really shit. It felt more like coherently written and directed than other stuff he's done for a while. It felt more like maybe he did it while he was sober. But <laughs> it's not worth watching. I give Holidays a 4 out of 10 if you care. Uh, so, like I say, Kevin Smith constantly announces stuff that never gets made. Clerks 3 died dead in its tracks. So that, to be fair, was just because Randall... Couldn't be bothered doing it, which is fair enough. Jeff Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. More Rats 2, which turned into a TV series, couldn't get funding. And then he, at one point, he basically went to see Book of Mormon at some point and decided it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen and he wanted to make a musical inspired by religion. So he uh, announced he was making a film called Hell in a Handbag, which was going to be about... I mean, this sounds incredible, but after Yoga Hoses, I don't know if I'd trust Kevin Smith (laughs) to do anything high concept anymore. (laughs) Um, This was going to be a film, it was going to be a musical about a giant rapturing Jesus where humanity teams up with hell to battle it and stop it from, like, destroying Earth. Which, to me, that's just, that sounds incredible. But it also sounds like something that's going to cost too much money for Kevin Smith to even... (laughs) come close to being able to ever produce. And I don't think I trust Kevin Smith to source or, or God forbid, write original music either. You know, Tra- Book of Mormon works because Trey Parker's shown himself to have musical chops throughout mm. his career. Kevin Smith's just going to go, oh, that mate of mine who hosts one of the epi- hosts one of the podcasts on the network, you, you do, like, silly songs on the podcast sometimes, don't you? Do you want to do a whole film's worth of musical numbers? As you've said already, I think, Saul, I think, I'm, de- I'm dying to see whatever else he comes up with. I'm really all in favour of him carry on producing things just to see what happens, but that doesn't mean it'll be good. I'm quite disappointed that he's doing Jay and Silent Bob reboot, because it just seems too safe and easy. But, I mean, maybe that's what he needs right now. It'll probably be the best film he's made in a while. I kind of just want to see him do weird shit. Another film he announced, which was going to be his next film for a while, is called Kilroy Was Here. Mm-hmm. And uh, was going to be, you know, that Kilroy was here mm-hmm. uh, graffiti that yeah. was popular in the uh, in the eighties. It's basically like based on that. It's going to be a weird sort of post-apocalyptic film about some resistance or some nonsense. Basically, was the idea. But um, I don't know. He he was going to make a Krampus horror film at one point as well. A Krampus horror film that. I think isn't happening because some other people made Krampus. Uh, he's always announcing shit, and it, it looks like none of it's going to happen. Uh, he was going to do a film called Hit. Oh, yeah, film called Hit Somebody, and then that became a mini series, and then that that was based on a song, and it was about uh, ice hockey players. Think, yeah. Maybe that's what he should do. Maybe he should just make a hockey because obviously he's got a passion for hockey. So maybe he should just try and make a, a comedy sports movie. Well, that was his attempt at it. Yeah, it just never. Came I can together. see that working though. Just going bit more mainstream again 
Well, if if we're going to pitch a, a new film for Kevin Smith to make here, can I suggest he continues adapting podcasts to film and he, he just <laughs> like maybe moves away from his own self-indulgent stuff and maybe takes something we've done on the show? Yeah. Maybe maybe Scottish Bond the movie could that <laughs> could that work? Jay and Scottish Bond. I don't know if we've if we come up with anything that we we have had a few shark film things Jaws tie-ins that he definitely like. He oh man, yeah yeah, Gary Lineker eating crisps. <laughs> I think if we're gonna pr- try and predict what Kevin Smith does next, we have to take into account what's going on in his life, which is you know the big thing. And is that he had a heart attack? Was this last year? Was it? It was within a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and like I say, I think Jay and Silent Bob reboot is um, born out of that, from what I can gather. Mm. Silent Bob's going to be, you know, really skinny now. Yeah, and, Jay and Skinny and Bob. It's going to be loads of jokes about, hey, you're you're not a fat fuck anymore. Just because you're not a fat fuck anymore, it doesn't mean you 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 don't suck as much dick, man. It's going to be the same. You know, you know exactly what it's going to be. What's what is the 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 soap sober Jay and Skinny Bob? film is that gonna be fun is that gonna be <laughs> well this is it do you is anything about that film gonna because he is basically doing jane silent bob strike back again and it's a very meta self-aware thing but i d- i just don't know if that's gonna be it was stretching it enough when they did jane silent bob strike back the first time i, I don't know if we need <laughs> another film where they go to hollywood definitely if yeah. you're gonna do another jane silent bob film give us like jane silent bob spend the night in a haunted mansion or Jay and Silent Bob in space or... <laughs> yeah, like it's something like a Ab- Abbott and Costello type yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. That's why I thought the characters... Jay and Silent Bob best. meet Frankenstein. They work best as secondary characters anyway, so... Yeah. I don't know if he just wants to go back to the Askew universe and make a film where they are just in the background somewhere. Um, I think that's where it was when his strengths was. I think that's when he got his popularity was he was making these films and then these... These were a motif of his films, but there wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't. No one was ever. I mean, even when I used to watch like Dogma and Clerks and stuff, I, I wasn't ever pining for a Jane Bob film. Yeah, I exactly. Bob, I don't think anyone like... was. Um... <laughs> but this is. I mean, I think genuinely though, I think we know that Kevin Smith writes from his own life, and you know, I think we're going to start seeing him questioning his own mortality a bit more like he's had a brush with death or okay so you know what we're gonna get is a film about the afterlife specifically yeah. in heaven so not not christian afterlife spilling onto earth but it's gonna be maybe he'll uh, do you think he could do a sequel to dogma mm. i think it's a popular enough film i think he'd struggle to pull back most of those cast members and i don't know you wouldn't get Alan maybe Rickman's a companion day. piece. Yeah. Um, I could see him returning to the world of the well, Dogma specifically, but the Viewers Universe to make a film set in heaven potentially. Except I don't. I think would that be too big a budget? I guess it depends how you portray it. It doesn't have to be lavish sets, does it? It could be like the good place where it's just a, mm. a load of rooms. Thing is, is <laughs> a is a passionate guy, and he's he's. He's uh he's quite over sentimental, so I could see it being his like the new Jersey Girl or something like that if he does it, and it's mm. just gonna be another flop. I reckon he's probably gonna do something about a man who has a brush with death, or yeah, maybe yeah. has a terminal illness, and then it's just gonna be over sentimental, and no one's he's not gonna connect with anyone with it. 
I think that's my prediction. I think he should just go back to writing. I don't. To be honest, if for a pitch, I'd rather see him just try and make another horror film, actually, but more in the vein of Red State. That's what I'd like. If we're really trying to come up with what we think would be good for him and the best for his career and most likely to turn out results, I think Return to the Viewisk Universe. You write some new characters set within that world. Um, and the main plot is about one of the characters has a brush with death. They they have a, a heart attack or something, and it is an exploration of mortality. And you know, it it's about like a somebody who works at a shop or something who goes through that and it, how it affects his relationships. And Jay and Silent Bob are hanging around in the in the background, and maybe Ben Affleck plays one of the roles. You know, <laughs> I I think. If he's making it at that level, it would work. Yeah, what we said about Clerks or Clerks 2, is it's about those different periods in your life where it's just like, oh, what have I achieved? What have I done? What am I supposed to be doing? And I think when you get a bit older and you start to think about your own death, that's another step. That's another like, have I achieved what I wanted to in my life? Have I done all the things I said I was going to? If I died tomorrow, would I be satisfied? I think that's probably the next step. And I think he can write that stuff. We've seen it in Clerks 2. He can write that emotional stuff. Yeah. Thing is, I I think for a pitch, and I've just come up with this. I think maybe maybe he already has thought about it, but like he's so good at talking about Hollywood and his his um, his involvement with it mm. that I probably quite like to see a disaster artist type film where he's talk he, he makes a film about the making of clicks, and it doesn't have to be clicks, well that that characters. you know there there is a. Um... There's a film about the making of Clerks that um, Kevin Smith's definitely involved in. I, I think he's kind of helped them raise a little bit of money. I think it was largely crowd-funded. Uh, but I think Kevin Smith, I think he might make a cameo in it or narrate it or something. But I, I, I think he should be making that film. I, I agree. I, I agree. Or, I or if not that do. film, you know, a, a, a film about someone making a film who works on a... Sh- you know, someone... Basically that film, but not necessarily specifically... Well, I'd love to see the film about a, a, a director having a breakdown on a set because of a, a, a actor pushing him to his limits. I think it's called Shooting Clerks, I want to say. The, um... That rings a bell, yeah. He's been chewed up by the Hollywood system. He knows he can't really make it work in there, but I've not watched any of the Flash TV series that he's done. Apparently he's doing... Well, yeah, we that. haven't mentioned that. He's He's been doing quite well directing a lot of um, Warner Brothers DC superhero, superhero TV shows, which I, I think is probably good for him. It's probably helping him hone his yeah. ability to Skills, direct, you know, um, in a sort of professional capacity. Maybe could do something about Harvey Weinstein, maybe Ooh. like because he's quite apologetic oh, about that. Yeah. If he if he could show us the because that that's the next big thing that's going to come out. I mean, I think what's his, is it Stephen Berkoff? He's writing a play about Harvey Weinstein, so it's not going to be long until we start see. Is it was it Oliver? Not Oliver Stone. I can't remember which director was said he was going to do a horror film. About Harvey yeah, Weinstein, yeah, so I remember hearing about that. It, it's probably best coming from the horse's mouth, like people who actually hung around with him, and they maybe that's his that way would be to interesting like to see because Kevin Smith mm. owes a lot to Harvey Weinstein, you know, in terms of his career. He and, does, yeah, and you know, professional level, they, I think, they were very close. I don't know, um, I, I don't know how if he's addressed it. I'm sure being as outspoken as he is and doing the podcasts that he does and all that sort of stuff, I would be amazed if he hasn't spoken mm. at length about his feelings on the matter. But I, it would be interesting to kind of see a film address that somewhat. Apparently, uh, as of 
presumably when this was written in 2017, um, all of the dividends Kevin Smith gets from uh, his Weinstein-made films uh, being donated to the organisation Women in Film. It's a shame of his of his career because if he'd stayed on the track of actually making witty sort of, I can only assume they're still witty, funny films because, as I said, I've not revisited them. Like he could have been uh, DC's Joss Whedon. Like he really, I reckon he really could have been the guy that could have sort of helped shape uh, the DC extended universe. I think he would have done a much much better job than Zack Snyder. <laughs> I wouldn't let him. I wouldn't let him direct any of the films. Having Kevin Smith on your writing staff for stuff like that is great. I wouldn't necessarily let him do the whole thing. I wouldn't let him direct. But I wouldn't. I'd. I'd. I wouldn't. I would love to get. Look, here's here's a nice little script we've got. Can you throw some good light dialogue into it? Pump it up a little bit. That's what I want. I think. I think it'd be very good if you kind of said Kevin Smith. Like, what's your what's your broad strokes plan for like a an overarching mm-hmm. plot? Five films leading up to a big climax. Okay, right. You can Godfather that. We'll bring on individual writers to work on each individual film. With you, I think maybe they should just hand him one of the lesser known sort of as an experiment, one of the lesser known sort of characters, like Blue Beetle or something. Well, is this if he's if he happens to be listening <laughs> to this, uh, there could be a small chance that he is that it's not it's not coming from a place of hatred, it's coming from a place of frustration, <laughs> it's coming from a place of like he has so much potential. He's he's one of few filmmakers where I, I will watch everything he ever makes um he's he's earned that from me and i, I think that says a lot oh, um he's slowly losing that goodwill <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is kevin smith's career so far and yeah no doubt we'll visit him again in the future hopefully see what he's up to yeah but it's shame been... it ended on such a bum note with <laughs> yoga hoses in it but, yeah um, we'll see what maybe his next film will what the future atone for that this has been great guys thanks uh, thanks for joining us Scott yeah no worries if, um, if I do get invited back can we can we talk about some films that are actually good <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised how little that happens on this show <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you for having me it's always uh, been a pleasure so there you go that was Kevin Smith's season you'll definitely want to come back next week because we are capping off our Fifty Shades of Grey Valentine's Day trilogy, which is, uh, well, the the last two episodes have been highlights of the podcast for various reasons, not particularly related to the films. So yes, come back next week. And if you can't wait a whole week, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash dimreturns, and you will get access to extra bonus diminishing returns content for just a dollar a month. And we will be forever in your debt. Thank you. Thank you, listener. Snoochie buys. <laughs> <laughs>